Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com and the movement GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Hello, hello. If you are a mom, then you are very aware uh, motherhood has its share of challenges, physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. Being a mom is one of the most rewarding experiences, but usually a little crazy has to be a part of the ingredient. Well, our guests today, Suzanne Gosselin and Greta Kennedy, authors of Grit and Grace, they will be sharing that even if a woman has read all the parenting books and received amazing advice from other moms, until she actually becomes a mom, she won't truly understand the responsibility and challenges that come with the title. But before we start talking about being an overwhelmed mama who thinks they will never live up to the super moms around them, I am going to talk about quitting. <laughs> All of our lives, we have been told, don't be a quitter, don't be a quitter. I know I say it to my kids, um, you know, whatever they start, you need to see it through. Perseverance is, is the way to get things accomplished. Uh, but recently... Uh, I talked to a gal, I will call her Sue. I do coaching in my other life, my professional world. And as I was coaching Sue, I, I've mentioned her before, she was at the point of frustration and despair, saying, I want to be done. And as I unpacked what she meant, she was at the point really where she wanted to quit her job, she wanted to quit her ministry, and even quit or delete some of the relationships around her. And I'm sure we've all been at that point where, you know, it's like, okay, the planet is spinning just a little too fast, and I want to get off for a second, you know, breathe, be able to regroup, maybe do a self-check, and go, why is, why is my life spinning out of control? Why do I feel this way? And... I, when you do get to that point, it is time to do that that self-check, or maybe it's past that point to do that checkup. So if you're listening today, grab a pen, and I'm going to briefly go over some of the things before we jump into our next segment with our fabulously fun guest. All right, pen in hand, write down, it's okay to be a quitter. And look at that. Put it on a sticky note, and then reevaluate what what do I need to quit? Once again, we've been brainwashed into thinking we are a complete failure if we quit. Often this actually creates anxiety for change and we keep doing things just to keep doing things. Then we get comfortable in those things, even complaining about those things over and over and over again. So with your pen, evaluate what do you find yourself complaining about the most? And some of you are in that pause moment and you go, okay, it's my spouse, it's my kids, it's my boss, it's my coworker, or maybe it's your ailments. But what are you complaining about the most? And reevaluate what, what do you need to quit? What do you need to do differently to change maybe the habits of why you are where you are uh, today? Most of us have heard the saying, um, 
of quit doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Uh, uh, where Albert Einstein, it, I, I just got my, my tongue twisted. The saying is insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And it's time to evaluate that and quit doing the same thing over and over again. And I want to talk a little bit about Dr. Travis Bradbury. He's a co-author of Emotional Intelligence 2.0 and the president of Talent Smart. Uh, if you have not read this book, it's a great book on uh, EQ and self-awareness. I also heard him speak at the Global Leadership Summit a few years ago. And he, he says there's a lot of people who seem determined that 2 plus 2 will eventually equal 5. The fact is simple. If you keep the same approach, you'll keep getting the same results, no matter how much you hope for the opposite. So if you want different results, you need to change your approach, even when it's painful to do so. And I think, at least for me, often I don't change my approach because I'm not really evaluating or I don't have someone breathing into me to say, hey, have you considered or what about if you look at it this way? And we just simply don't ask, um, you know, what's one thing I can do differently? Ask for somebody's feedback that especially if they love you, they have good intentions to want what's best for you, to want you to su succeed. So they would be able to go, here you go, perhaps quit this. So get that permission maybe to, to quit. He also says, quit thinking everything is going to work out on its own. And it's tempting to think that it, it's all going to work out in the end. So that's why we keep doing these things and we keep thinking, oh, well, eventually I'm, I'm going, I'm going to see the end, you know, the lights is going to be shining through and the gates of heaven is going to open wide with the trumpets blaring. But the truth is that you have to make it work. This has many implications, and often I think we say, oh, I'm going to pray, 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 which absolutely prayer is powerful. Um, prayer changes the hand of God, but we need to put in um, our part. And so, in other words, don't expect your boss to notice you um, when you're ready for a promotion. Don't expect your, your colleague to stop, you know, sloughing off at work. Uh, or giving you all the piles of work, if you're always willing to do it and don't think that anyone is going to stop walking all over you as long as you allow it. Everything is not going to magically work out on its own. You have to be proactive and take responsibility for yourself. And let's go back to Sue. Once again, I'm changing her name. Uh, let's see what she was doing here. She just kept taking on this work, thinking that this was going to help her. This was going to promote her. Uh, therefore her boss kept adding on her workload, but not really appreciating what she was doing. She never came to that point where it's like, okay, I need to be proactive here. I need to let him know this is exactly what you have on my plate. And we need to prioritize some of this, or you need to prioritize it for me to tell me what exactly is the most significant thing that we need to do here so I can be intentional with, with getting it done. So that's my next tip. If you're still writing this down, the next tip is quit saying yes. Every yes you utter is a trade-off. By saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. 
uh, even if it means saying yes to shopping on Amazon online, you're saying uh, no to maybe some work you could be doing. And I'm talking to myself at this point, maybe going to the gym, going on a hike, time spent with your family as you sit there just brainwashing yourself with whatever you are saying yes to. And I even have a sticky note on my computer that says, is this the best use of your time? Uh, yesterday, my husband overheard a phone call conversation of me saying no to something I actually love doing. And then he came into my office and said, wow, Patty, I'm so proud of you. Well, he, he usually has a tone of sarcasm in most of his sentences. <laughs> so I looked up. I was completely puzzled. What? And he said, I can't believe I heard you say no. And especially it was a good friend of mine that I was saying no to. And he knew that who I was talking to. There was a youth group team traveling into Arizona to experience and do some things with another youth group. And the big ask was, could I help? Would I be interested in taking this youth group on, having them connect with some of the people that uh, I do life group with? And two things went through my brain. I just did an entire show last week on the big secret is asking others, how can I help? And yes, I would totally be interested in doing this. was totally up my alley. I would have had a blast doing this. But the truth is, I genuinely, I, I do not have any spare minutes in my week right now. And I'm leaving to go to a trip uh, to North Africa. And I, I definitely had to say no. And so that whole story was to say, yes, my husband does a good job mocking me. But there are times that you have to quit saying yes. Research conducted at the University of California, San Francisco, showed that the, the more difficulty you have saying no, the more likely you are to experience stress, burnout, and even depression. So if you're listening in and you're going, yes, that's me, I, I feel apathetic, I'm, I'm, I'm very anxious right now, then maybe take a look at that. Saying no is indeed a major challenge for many people. But no is a powerful word that you should not be afraid to use, especially when it's time to say no. Avoid phrases such as, I don't think I can, or I'm not certain. I was just with uh, some friends the other day where I she told me there's no way I can do X, Y, and Z that week because I can't take off of work. And then when the friend asked her, she said, I need to check on that. I, I'm not sure I'll get back to you. And in my mind, I was thinking, okay, wait, you just told me you can't do this. And now you're saying I'm not certain. It's okay to say no. And it actually benefits that person that you're saying no to because maybe they need to ask somebody else um, and, and get the ball rolling there rather than hearing you be noncommittal and wait till the last minute if you know you're not going to be able to do it. Uh, so make sure, look at your commitments, look at what you need to honor and give you the opportunity to successfully fulfill them or say no, learn to say no, free yourself from unnecessary constraints and free up your time and energy for the important things in life. So with that said, we're getting ready to go into a commercial break. Uh, if you really want to succeed and I mean really succeed, stop focusing so much on what you should be doing and instead take a really good look at the things you should quit doing. And once again, take that pen and write the question, what things should I quit doing? 
what things should I quit doing? And hopefully you'll be able to jot down more than just one thing and really if it, maybe it's even a bad habit that you need to quit doing. I, I know for me, perhaps I need to quit eating Dorito chips at nine o'clock in the morning just because I want something salty. <laughs> I could I could maybe put salt on an avocado or on lettuce or, or something that uh, that would be beneficial to me. So what things should you quit doing? And with that, we are going to take a quick break. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Have you ever considered dancing your way to fitness? It may be time for you to find innovative things to add to your fitness program. Variety is always good, not only for your body, but also for your mind. I want to encourage you to add aerobic dance to your exercise routine. Dancing has become so popular because of television shows like Dancing with the Stars. Aerobic dance classes get your heart rate up and sustains it while you work almost every muscle in your body. It allows you to let go and to release any stress that you're carrying while you get a fun and energetic workout. You don't need to be coordinated or a great dancer. Just step into a class or rent a DVD and let loose. Aerobic dance is a wonderful form of cardio exercise and a fun way to get in shape. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook. It's have you ever found yourself on an airplane seated next to a nonstop talker that you really don't have anything at all in common with? When I fly, I usually want to catch up on my reading and not have to listen to an explaterator. It's even worse if they're a philodox. That's a person who just loves their own opinion. Well, now a Facebook app lets you choose your own seatmate before you fly. According to an article in USA Today, social media startups are bringing together compatible flyers before they take their seats. That's good news for people lovers, otherwise known as philodemics. A number of apps such as Plainly and Satisfy are helping travelers meet not only online, but in person. Think the Match.com of travel. I love flying and have been to almost as many places as my luggage. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, as promised, joining us now, we have two special guests, co-authors, and past college roommates, Suzanne Gosselin and Greta Kennedy. Suzanne is an author, editor, stay-at-home mommy, and coffee enthusiast, and she has a passion for observing God at work in people's lives, including her own. And then we have Greta, and Greta is a speaker, mentor, and writer with a degree in women's ministry. And over 20 years of ministry experience, she passionately supports her, her husband and Greta, I, I was able to get onto your Traveling Islanders, uh, your travel blog, and I, I love what you have to say. You are all about start dreaming and start planning, so we're going to have to make sure we, we touch base on that. But I want to get back to you guys were actually college roommates together, but then years later, God laid it on your heart to write this book. So... I would love to hear the story there on how that came about. And, of course, I'm all about conflict, so I'm going to start with you. You guys didn't really care for each other when you moved in together. (laughs) No, uh, we didn't. This is Suzanne, and um, I went to college with the expectation that I would – have a roommate who would be a lot like me. We would coordinate the decor in our dorm room. Um, <laughs> I, mine was very floral and, you know, pinks and mauves were in at the time. And it turned out that Greta was very, very different. Um, she had a, a comforter that was made up of T-shirts from all of her sporting events and camps um, through her high school years. And she was very proud of that. And so it kind of dashed my hopes and dreams. Um, and then we were very different socially, too. I'll let uh, Greta chime in on that. Yeah. Um, hi, this is Greta. So I went to school for the experience, the social experience, pretty much. I mean, I knew I'd get a good education, but I was really looking forward to all the friends and late nights and just the, the fun of dorm life. And um, my dear roommate, Suzanne, went to school for an education, believe it or not. And <laughs> so she was very concerned about her studies. And we, we clashed on that. I did not spend very much time in our room. Um, and I just, it's interesting how that first year, I mean, there were so many phone calls to my parents going, what, what is going on and how in the world did we get put together and I don't know if I can make it through the year. And then by the end of that year, um, crazily enough, we both agreed to do it again. So we ended up, um, coming back that second year and just realizing that our differences were actually pretty special and we could manage this and um, we ended up staying roommates all four years and forming a very, very good friendship. Mm-hmm. I What a great story. And I have to tell you, it's comical because um, right now I, I have the opportunity to watch Greta. She's in her home with this beautiful uh, white brick wall and the fireplace is, is going and then it, it goes into Suzanne and she has exactly what she's talking about with her decor. It's, <laughs> I mean, both of your homes are beautiful, but it's funny, <laughs> two opposite people. So to be able to see you in your own little habitat is, is, is fun to watch. But there's nothing like how God, the, the mysteries of God, how he puts two people together 
And, you know, it's all in his timing, but we want it in our timing. And we, we question, what were you thinking, God? And then now to see the outcome of what's taking place. So that that's a cool story. And mm-hmm. what at what point were you guys, you know, where you felt like God was leading you to write this book? Well, I, um, I was in a season of having three young children, four and under, um, and just feeling pretty stressed out and discouraged all the time. And I realized that what was contributing to my feelings was that I wasn't having the opportunity to have regular time in the word or, um, spend time in prayer. Like I had before I had all these young children that needed me every second of the day. Um, and I thought, wouldn't it be great if there was a resource for moms in this season of life who are so, so busy and under such demands to just be able to like break away for five minutes while their kids are napping or whatever, and just read a really quick devotional with the verse included. So you don't even have to go get your Bible if you don't want to. Um, and just basically get recharged something that is just a truth that you can use that day. And so I had come up with that idea. And then, um, what was going on with you, Greta? Um, so my kids are just a few years older than Suzanne's and what Suzanne just described is how I was feeling when they were really little, um, but I didn't do anything about it. And then, um, but God started birthing this dream in me that uh, maybe I could write something to help out. And so I had some <clears throat> some real God breakthrough moments in my life. And uh, after talking with my husband, he said, you know what, now is the time for you to write this which terrified me because I have never, apart from our travel blog, I have never written anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Suzanne was the writer. And so um, in my fear and trepidation, I gave her a call and uh, said, this is kind of something God's laid on my heart. I have no idea where to start. And she just blew up in excitement and said, Greta, that's is amazing because I've had the exact same dream. And She's the one who said, would you consider writing it together, which floored me (laughs) because um, in my fear of entering this writing world, not only would I have um, someone who had been there before, but one of my dearest friends who I trust. And so I think the pairing of the two of us together, what it what it did was it maybe we've said how different we are. um, And so when we approach our stories and the scripture, we approach it from different lenses and different perspectives. And I think it beautifully weaves together to, um, to really touch so many more women because of those different perspectives in it. And I really appreciate what you said that last part, Greta, how it touches so many different people. And I think as women, we have a tendency to roommates. I look back, my roommate, my college roommate was actually uh, Miss Arizona and Miss Idaho. So, uh, (laughs) and uh, I can't can't even begin to tell you my first week of um, sitting there and we laugh about it now, but I would leave to go to class and she would say, are you, are you going to wear that? And (laughs) with all intentions (laughs) 
but I was, I was the more sportier one, you know, that I, I, most of the time I was getting on a bicycle. So it was like, uh, yeah, I was planning on wearing, wearing, and you know, she, she even ate a donut with a fork. So it would mess up her lipstick. And we can laugh about that now. And I can appreciate, you know, she does a ministry where she has the entire New Testament memorized, the entire New Testament memorized. She's she's a walking genius. So I I can say I was a little bit intimidated uh, living with her and yet being able to to truly complete each other for you to realize, you know, don't let that get in your head that you can both come together and use your God-given talents to, to not be so competitive. And I think that even hearing your, and I, I haven't had a chance to read through all of your, the devotions yet, but that's a spirit in this book of not pairing yourself to the super moms that are out there because you will always disappoint yourself. That's yeah. <laughs> what you're doing. If you're in that comparison game, uh, so my next one is what what does it actually mean to have grit and grace? And we have two minutes as we wrap up before we go into a commercial break. But what does that mean to have grit and grace? Um, I think, with, okay, sorry. Um, the, the grit part, I think we're all, all moms are familiar with the, the idea that, that motherhood is not easy. There are some aspects that are fun and and come naturally, but it is hard. It is hard work day in and day out over and over, over and over. And I think there's this grit of sometimes you just got to roll up your sleeves, put your big girl panties, panties on and get to it. And, and so there is that grit, that working out of motherhood, but then there's this, this grace aspect that I think we don't give ourselves enough grace because of the tendency to compared to others or the expectations we have on ourselves for what we want to see out of ourselves in motherhood. And there's this, there's, it's this beautiful dichotomy that when, when put together, there is, there's so much strength in, in the working hard, but being gracious with yourself when it doesn't all work the way you wanted it to. Um, and in, in actuality, that is God's design with us. He says we are to work out our salvation. And he says that, that this, this life is hard and there, there are hard aspects, but he is so gracious and forgiving and, and gives us chances time and time again. And I think it's just, that's what those two together, um, what, what they mean for, for this book and for women and moms out there. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes you just gotta, you've got to do the hard stuff, but it's keeping your eyes on the bigger picture that there's purpose in everything, even those mundane tasks. Um, that you're doing with your children each day. Yes. And on that note, we are going to take a break, but I, I love that the mundane task because sometimes life is just so <laughs> daily. Uh, so with that, we are going to put our big girl panties on and we're going to hear these tunes and take a commercial break. We'll be right back.
This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Great news. A recent study found that exercise and a healthy diet can lower the odds for heart attack, even in those with a high genetic risk. By living a healthy lifestyle, you can counter any genetic predisposition to heart disease. You can minimize an inherited risk for heart attack by healthy living, which is exercising, eating healthy, staying slim, and not smoking. The study published in the New England Journal of Medicine found that even with a little effort in these areas, people can cut their high risk of heart disease by more than half. It used to be that DNA was your destiny, but new research shows that when it comes to a heart attack, you have control over your risk, even if you have a genetic high risk. It all comes down to healthy living. So keep up your healthy lifestyle and keep your heart attack risk at bay. I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Our two special guests, co-authors and past college roommates, Suzanne Gothlin and Greta Kennedy. And we were talking about truly completing each other, how when we let God work through us, you're not in that competitive spirit, although competition is good, um, but just truly be in it together, complete each other and figure out what's that purpose where, where God has you. And as they wrote their, their most recent project is Grit and Grace which comes out February 12th, and it's actually available for pre-order from Harvest House and Amazon as, as well. Well, with that, tell us a little bit more. Before you had children, what did you expect motherhood to be like? For, for those of us, may, our, our listeners are, are most likely, they're in right in the nick of motherhood and I, I like how you guys said, you know, you compare yourself to the super mom out there. But tell us, what did you expect motherhood to be like? Um, well, my experience, this is Suzanne, and I was um, I was in the workforce as a single woman for 10 years um, as an editor at a large Christian organization. And then I met my husband and got married at 31. And we had our son about a year and a half later when I was 32. Um, and so I had, I had come from my identity was based mainly in my career. 
And um, I had been, I had done a lot of babysitting and children's ministry. So I kind of thought I would rock the mom thing. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but the shift was huge. I like to call it identity whiplash because I went from being um, in a place where my coworkers were giving me kudos, um, where I was feeling, you know, like I was really a valuable member of the team to going home and doing a whole different array of tasks that frankly, I wasn't very good at. Um, And that comes out in the book that I just didn't really take to motherhood the way that I had hoped. Um, And so it did become kind of a point of feeling like a failure in some areas, just because I was looking at other moms and even the, the women at my mom's groups and feeling like, wow, they've really got this down. They're doing such a great job. And I'm just struggling to like transition my child to solids <laughs> at home, you know? And um, so, yeah, it was, it was an issue of me not feeling as competent as I had hoped to feel. That's a great, uh, just that imagery of the identity whiplash. And now you can even look back. I know for me, you know, it was like, do I nurse? Do I put them on this formula? And it was, you know, you were losing sleep over this at night because you compared yourself to what everybody else was, was doing. And you're, you're right. I remember going and speaking at a conference and feeling so good about this and you're getting all of these, you know, kudos and you come home and you're, you're changing poopy diapers going, wait, no one appreciates this. And it, 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 the, I love the identity whiplash. That's awesome. Yeah. You don't get the kudos from the kids. I mean, you get the, the kisses and the, the loves, which mean a lot, but it, you know, you don't get the, you're, you're doing good, mom. You're doing great at this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it, it just keeps going that way. Uh, I, I have a teenager. We just had this conversation last night. Oh. When, hey, I would really like for you to say a thank you and just a gratitude. And she, she gave me that blank stare and I realized, oh, it's not going to happen even if I ask for it. <laughs> Maybe in a card on Mother's Day. So, hey. Um, so what would you say that you you really want readers to walk away with about realizing their true identity? Because we, we all want that. We try to find our, our identity through being a mom. We want the, those, you know, the words of affirmation. We, you know, we're, we're searching for it sometimes in all the wrong places. Um, exactly. And I think um, even if we weren't a mom, it's it's pervasive within our culture to look for identity in what we do, who we surround ourselves with, um, what we have, um, how we look, all of those things. It's 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 everywhere. And especially when when you're a mom and in the throes of being at home all the time or or even working and at home. Um, but we want women to to remember what God says about them, that yes, you're a mom and yes, uh, a wife, or yes, you, you work. Um, all of those things are true, but, but who you are in your very core is who God says that you are. And so when you're, when you're in the midst of washing dishes or scrubbing the floors or cleaning those, those poopy diapers or, or whatever it is, you are still, a child of the King and you are still a, a redeemed forgiven woman. You are still um, 
the the woman who God looks at and says, you are mine. I have called you to me. And so throughout the book, there are reminders of that over and over again in different devotionals, in different ways that just say, remember who you are really. And then the motherhood stuff, that's just something that you do. And that is one of your roles, but who you are in your core is who God says that you are. And so those are the things that we hope that women um, are reminded of and, and are encouraged by and um, changes just a bit of the perspective when, um, you know, the baby spits up again and <laughs> you still smell like sour milk. <laughs> and going along with that also that it really matters what she's doing in this season. Um, I think, you know, overall being a mom of young children is somewhat devalued in our culture. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on, oh, you're just going to stay home with the kids. You know, if you're a stay at home mom, or even if, even if you're working, it's kind of like, oh, that might've like compromised your career. And, um, so those messages are pretty pervasive. And I think even I have sometimes like felt a little like, is what I'm doing really making a difference, especially in these little years that are just so hard? Um, and that was something that we want women to take away from it is that, um, yes, it matters, that it's a calling, that God has paired you up with your specific children. And he said, I've equipped you to do this job, even if you're not doing it exactly the same as the mom in the lane next to you. Um, but that, yeah, it makes a big difference. And um, it's it's for his glory and it matters for eternity. Mm, mm, well said. And Suzanne, you write what your spiritual life uh, or that your spiritual life took a hit after you became a, a mom. And I know you just shared with us where you thought, okay, I've got this. I've got the mom thing down and then maybe didn't go as well as you wanted it to. So how did that affect your spiritual life as well? Yeah, I think the the spiritual life taking a hit was um, partly that feeling of I I don't feel like I'm competent at this. And it was my perfectionistic roots being uncovered, which was painful because before I had kids, I could manage my perfectionism a little more easily. And this is something about having kids is it's, it's like chaos. It's out of control, at least for me having several pretty close together. And, um, it was, I mean, God actually used it in my life to reveal that I was depending on myself a lot. And um, I was so frustrated when I couldn't control the situation or have the perfect um, motherhood that I had hoped for. And so, uh, but then also part of it was the daily of just simply not having the time to connect with him. And I love in one of the devotions, Greta talks about how when we were in college, we would write verses on our mirror. And, um, and then we would just like throughout the day, whenever we'd see it on our mirror, we could meditate on that specific verse. And we know a mom who said, I went through the index card phase of my walk with the Lord, where I just wrote verses on index cards and stuck them all around the house. And that was my time with him because I couldn't just sit down and have uninterrupted time. And so um, I think when I realized that, like, hey, just give myself some grace that I'm not able to do the 30-minute Bible studies that I used to be able to do. 
and just do what I can. You listen to worship music, write those verses down and, and just look at them throughout the day. Um, and even involve my kids like, okay, we're going to read from the Jesus storybook Bible now and we'll all be blessed by that. You know? um, so yeah, that, it, that was a turning point for me. I, I still like the children's Bible. I just have to. <laughs> oh yeah. It makes me cry. <laughs> I love the children's Bible. And, um, I, I so agree. I used to leave, um, my Bible on top of the, the dryer. And when you're pulling, even when you're pulling clothes out of the dryer and you're folding and you, you would get that, that glance of looking yeah. at a verse and, you know, just saying it over and over again. And even that, I remember at times not not being faithful, you know, with going to Bible study. But when I would go and you would be surrounded with people that were still getting their, their 30 to an hour of quiet time in. You're like, well, I read the verse on top of the dryer. <laughs> it was painful at times because I was once again comparing rather than going, this is my time and my relationship with Jesus and knowing my calling and what I have the capacity to do. So mm -hmm. giving those listeners out there the, the permission to not live in guilt continuously, especially when you're in this, this season of life. Uh, with that said, we have just a couple minutes before we take a commercial break, but what do you feel is the best time for you to do your own devotions? You know, in the morning, while you're folding laundry, nap time, when do you do this? Um, for me personally, when, when the kids were really tiny, it was little snippets throughout and it, it really wasn't just sitting down with my book it, or, or with my Bible. It was, it was putting the index cards in my cupboards. It was having worship dance parties. We would put worship music on and we would dance silly and, and it was, having um another song on repeat i remember i had i need the every hour on repeat for a good a good <laughs> solid day because i was like god i need you um so that's that was my quiet time it wasn't just mm -hmm. me and god alone sweet nectar it was little snippets all throughout the day and um and even now still it's it's often right before my kids come home from school i I sit down and get refreshed right before they come home. But that's that's me personally, but that's what worked in that season. I love I that. Love, I especially like the worship thing. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. the good old days. A hundred years ago, the average life expectancy was 47 years. More than 95% of all births occurred at home, and only 14% of U.S. homes had a bathtub. Most women only wash their hair once a month and use borax or egg yolks for a shampoo. 
Of course, eggs were a mere 14 cents a dozen. 100 years ago, only 8% of homes had a telephone, beginning a century of telewagging. 100 years ago, there were only 8,000 cars registered in the U.S. and just 144 miles of paved roads. The average wage in the U.S. was 22 cents an hour. What's a word for the pathological yearning for the good old days? Hesternophobia. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. To our last stretch as we're talking with co-authors Suzanne Gosselin and Greta Kennedy. Their most recent project is Grit and Grace. And I want to just tell you a little bit more about them. Suzanne is an author, editor, stay-at-home mom, and she has worked as an editor of Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior magazines for 10 years. Also has written for uh is it written or wrote? That just sounded really weird. Anyway, you've done some writing for Focus on the Family. David C. Cook, Zondervan, Tyndale, and Harvest House, and she specializes in writing inspirational non-fiction curriculum, Bible notes, and magazine articles. And Greta, once again, Greta is a speaker, mentor, and writer with a degree in women's ministry, and which which is always interesting to me when I found out people have their degree in women's ministry that people really want to work with women is always hats off to you. Um, And I I say that with pun because I've done women's ministry for years and years and years now. But um, Lisa and I laugh because we we talk about we would love doing women's ministry. We just wish we didn't have to work with all the women. Um, (laughs) No, we we love them. And you you have um, a little travel uh, blog. And I, I say little, it's huge where you are um, on the island of Vancouver and you report from all of your adventures. Uh, so that's that's really, really neat that you have figured out a way to do all this stuff with your family and uh, enjoy it and make a living out of it. I love it. Love it. Uh, can you just give us a blip of what made you go into onto that path? Oh, that just came out of, um, we live in a, on a beautiful part of the world. Um, we're about an hour north of Victoria, BC, on this island. And uh, it's so gorgeous. And we, we actually really wanted to do some special things and realize people come from all over the world to visit this island. So why not help bring them here? So we, we started with uh, reporting on hikes and parks and beaches and then, it branched out from there to um, restaurants and hotels and fun zip lining places. And we get to, it really encourages us to get out as a family and, and create memories and have experiences together. Yeah, that's awesome. When you're intentional and it, it actually forces you to do that because it's yep. like, wait, I've got to do this blog. So I have to do what I say I'm doing <laughs> rather right. than just writing about it. So that that's great. Well, I'm going to jump over to what are some of the topics that you cover in the devotionals? So I'm, I'm out there as a listener, and what would draw me in to, to your book? Because I love the name of it, 
Grit and Grace, that's, that's an awesome name. But what are some topics? I think we talk about um, a lot of struggles that are common to moms of young children. Um, so things like comparison, uh, weariness, uh, like we touched on the spiritual, uh, feeling spiritually depleted and needing the Lord, fear, fear for yourself, fears for your children, um, and calling as a mom, uh, just like some basic um, good truth about motherhood and just kind of the gamut. It was interesting how Greta and I wrote the book. We actually didn't touch base on what topics we would cover. Um, we each wrote 45 of the 90 devos and we kept an index of which verses we were using so we could check and see, oh, has that verse already been used? And I think Greta said it only happened one time that she went in there and there was a verse that we both wanted to use. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty phenomenal. But then we just uh, put them together like, you know, shuffling cards. And um, our editor was like, this is amazing how they all fit together. Um, so it was just, it was pretty interesting how God just seemed to lay the same themes on our heart. Mm -hmm. When you talk about fear, I just read an awesome quote by Bob Goff. Fear calls out our doubts, but God calls out our names. And mm -hmm. that, that is just so true. <laughs> It we, is. And it's easy to focus on the, those doubts and then to to have that um, to really realize, OK, but God is, is calling your name. And with these topics, which one did you guys have a favorite in your book that you went, OK, this this is definitely mine? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do for sure. My my favorite one is called The Worst Five Minutes. And uh, it is definitely a comedy of errors and if if i didn't live it i would not have believed that that happened we were having a very lovely day and in a matter of five minutes i had one kid with a massive burn on his hand another that was basically in poo heaven because he was playing in the toilet and, <laughs> and then a third had stepped on our computer and broke it in a way that i could it could never be replaced i mean it could never be fixed and it went from this lovely day to horror in, in my mind. And we just sat there crying. And, and basically what kept coming back to me was that um, in the midst of all of that, I was not alone and that God mm -hmm. sees me in, 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 the, in the awfulness of how bad it can get. Um, God is there with me, walking with me, holding my hand as I clean off the poo as I, um, put the, put the medicine on the burn as, as I hold my daughter, who's afraid that, you know, she's ruined our lives forever. Um, that, that I'm not alone in the midst of all of that. That is, you know, it's, it's my favorite one. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, oh, go, go ahead. Suzanne. No, go ahead. Um, for me, it was, I, a lot of my favorite devos were the ones that um, focused on kind of the tender moments of motherhood that you just, you're not going to get at any other time in your life. And one of those was when um, I told my three-year-old daughter that um, I couldn't wear my wedding dress anymore because I had gotten bigger. And I, um, <laughs> she said, oh, you got bigger because she was familiar with outgrowing her clothes too. And um, I said, yeah, when babies were in my tummy and she says, oh, was I one of the babies in your tummy that made you get bigger? And I remember I just teared up um, because she saw something that I was embarrassed about as mm. something really special. 
and an evidence of God's goodness. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it still tears me up just what children can teach you and how God can um, teach you through them and even heal you in some areas of feeling like a failure. Mm, mm. Boy, isn't that the truth? And we don't even realize that we're, we're saying it out loud. <laughs> and yeah. so call us on that, uh, which, which is a whole nother book as we talk about images and what we convey to our kids without even realizing, mm-hmm. um, yeah, by, by you saying that. And that goes back to what that, that quote of Bob Goff, how fear calls out that doubt where we, you know, we're in that place when God's calling out our name. And at the beginning of, of the show, I talked about quitting, you know, our, our whole lives, we, we've been told, don't be a quitter. But there are actually things that we do need to do a self-check. Like you said, you know, you were you were saying that the, those comments out loud. And then what if your daughter, as she gets older, is becoming bigger? And then we put this, we've conveyed this onto them. So w- with that, I'm going to ask you guys, what would you see the challenge or where would you see in your life things that it's okay to quit and you know like quit doubting yourself would be one of them that we're we're talking about um but we get so overwhelmed that we forget there are things maybe there are habits we need to quit maybe quit saying yes to everybody what would be some things that you go you know what it's okay to quit Hmm. quit trying to do all of it on your own is Mm -hmm. what came to mind um you need, it's okay to ask for help, especially in this season. And it can be really hard to accept it, but, um, you, you know, this is a great time for the body of Christ to be able to come around you and help you. And I was afraid to ask for help a lot. I still struggle with that. I feel like it has to be like 50, 50, like I'm helping others as much as they're helping me. But sometimes you just need more help and it's okay to ask for it and let others be Jesus to you. And, and that is such a good point, Suzanne, because I, I still, my, my whole uh, topic last week was, how can I help you? And I'm okay with asking, how can I help you? But I'm not all that great at saying, can you help me? I'm mm-hmm. with you. It's just like, you have to reciprocate, <laughs> which yeah. is saying a whole lot about who you are. Because are you, if you're feeling that way, do you feel like they need to reciprocate? as well. Um, so that's good. Quit, quit trying to do it all alone. And Greta, do you have something there to add? Yeah, I do. Um, for me, it's the quit comparing, quit Mm -hmm. comparing yourselves to the other moms, to, um, the other kids that, oh, their kids are better than mine. Um, because comparison really isn't fair. You're taking someone's strengths and you're comparing them against your weaknesses. And, and that's, that's not fair and it's not right and it's not um, life-giving. And as we said at the very, very beginning, Suzanne and I, we are totally different from one another. And um, I think it's, it's our differences that make, it, make this beautiful and in, a, in an effort to, you know, not sound so cheesy, um, but it's, it's true that when you compare, it's not helpful and it's not God's best for you. So to be able to, to stop comparing and start embracing who you are, 
who your family is. You are the mom for these kids. You are the one chosen for these kids. And um, you have been called to be their mom. You have been empowered to be their mom. And um, so, so just quit comparing and, and embrace this life that God has given you. Mm-hmm. Boy, well said. Not life-giving and embrace who you are, especially, I, I hope our listeners, if you do have a pen in hand, to write down, you are chosen, because that that is powerful. And if you could give one more tip to our listeners, what would that be in a minute and 30 seconds? <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I, I think really to to call out to God in, in those times of needs mm-hmm. and and to ask him for the wisdom and the insight to see, as Suzanne was sharing, that that God can use our kids to teach us and to mm-hmm. humble us. And so ask him for those moments of, mm-hmm. of God, what do you want me to see in the midst of this? Because this is really hard. Um, that that he is there, like like we said, he he's right there. Um, and he will show you and he will comfort you and he will in, encourage you. And so just just reach out and ask him. Yeah. And give yourself grace. Um, as I said, alluded to, um, this has been a journey of self-acceptance and not just like, oh, I'm going to be who I am, but allowing God to pour into me that I am accepted as I am and that he has given me um, specific strengths and even weaknesses that he knew before the, the foundation of the world, my kids would would experience through me. Um, and so just giving myself grace when I'm not doing everything perfectly and realizing that he's using me and just keep my eyes focused on him. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. 